Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to church, and we're so glad that you're here today. And we have lights. There's lights. There we go. Thank you, Chuck. Uh, uh, Jeff, our regular sound guy, and we're so appreciative of Jeff. He's, uh, he's basking in Hawaii right now, so he's having a rough time, but uh, him and his family, so we're glad that they're getting some time off. But we're so grateful that Chuck uh, came in today and is helping us out. And then uh, before everybody asks me, where's my wife? Uh, she is not sick. Uh, she's actually maybe watching us right now. Uh, say hi online, Annette, if you're on the chat room. And anybody that's well, uh, is there, man, make sure you say hi on the chat room there on our online service. But she's up in Seattle. Uh, my daughter Brittany has had, had her bridal shower yesterday, and so she was not going to miss out on that. And so, she, so the funny story is that she was going to surprise Brittany. And so she was going to just show up at the bridal shower uh, uh, my oldest son's wife was actually putting it on Ashley, and so she was going to surprise me. But if you know anything about my wife, Annette, she can't keep a surprise. So there's just no way. So like a week and a half before she went up there, she finally had to tell Brittany, I'm coming up. And so, but that's, I love it. That's how it works out. Um, before um, I dismiss Echo J, I want to share real quick that uh, we have uh, next Sunday, we have scheduled a prayer night. And so at 6 p.m., and we would encourage you to come out to our prayer night right, right here in the worship center. We're going to pray from, for one hour, six to seven. Uh, do you realize that Easter is two weeks away? It's crazy it's coming up that quick. But we just felt really called to just take time and to pray. And really I'm going to have a real focus on our Easter services and just that people will come to Christ. Amen? And so if you want to come join us at prayer next Sunday night, 6 o'clock to 7 o'clock, we'd love for you to be there. Now I'm going to dismiss Echo Jehai. Give them a great big round of applause. Awesome. Thank you guys for being here. I see some new faces coming back. And so great to have you uh, back in the house. And we want to say welcome uh, welcome again uh, to South Coast. And uh, if you're a guest with us today, if you're uh, watching us online for the first time, we have a little card that says, Welcome Home. And uh, the card is just a, it's in between your seats if you're in the audience here or if you're in the front seat, it's underneath your seat. Um, very seldom do guests sit in the front seat the very first time, so I probably don't need to say that too often. But anyhow, uh, just in case. Uh, but fill this out. Uh, just gives us a little information about who you are. Um, not really who you are, just your name, email, phone number. But what we try to do is we try to keep in contact with you when we have special events at the church. Like we have a worship night coming up here in six, five or six weeks, and we want to send out an email to everybody, remind them, hey, we have worship night or if we have a special event. So we do not send this out. We don't give out your information at all. Uh, it strictly stays with us, and we do not bombard you with emails or information. But also feel free to contact the church at any point if you ever have a question about the church, or if you're just needing help, we're here to help, and we want to be that to you. Um, so uh, last week was supposed to be my last week on the, uh, G the parables of Jesus, what Jesus said, and uh, I started thinking about it, because last week we stopped with the, um, 
uh, ten bridesmaids. If you were here last week, you kind of knew the story. There are five bridesmaids that were foolish or five that were wise. And, and uh, we, we talked about how some didn't make it into heaven and, and uh, how the second coming of Christ, they were not prepared for that and they were not ready for that. And I started thinking about it. Man, this week I need to preach a message on grace. I don't want people to miss out. So today I decided to extend our series on Jesus Said on the parables. Uh, for, this is our final week. Next week, Pastor Brett will be sharing. So if you, if you can, man, I encourage you to come on out for next week's uh, message because that's going to be special. He's already given me some uh, ideas of what he's sharing on. It's going to be powerful. But this week, we're going to talk uh, about the parables of Jesus once again. And the parables of Jesus um, were short, fictitious stories that were shared to help support a spiritual truth that he was trying to bring about. And he would use these stories of the day, he would use very common stories to bring alive this truth. And, and sometimes these truths had deeper meanings that sometimes we missed. And today, I want to talk to you about, um, it's again a parable about the kingdom of heaven. And it's found in the uh, Gospel of Matthew, chapter 20. And it's the parable of the vineyard workers. Or your Bible might say uh, it's a, a, a parable of the workers or whatever it might say there. But we encourage you to turn uh, into your Bible, Matthew chapter 20. And just, you can just stay there because uh, you'll be, I'll be reading the story. and You might want to look back at that and, and that would be really cool as well. So on your electronic device, if you haven't, don't have the Bible on your phone yet, version is a great app that you can use. A little background to this parable. Jesus shared this parable. In response to a question that Peter asked in the previous chapter. So in Matthew chapter 19, Peter asked a question. Jesus had just encountered, right before Peter asked this question, Jesus had just encountered uh, the rich young ruler or the rich young man that came to Jesus. He said, hey Jesus, how do I enter into the kingdom of heaven? How do I have eternal life? And he was, this rich young man was asking this question because he really felt, now catch this, he really felt like he was perfect. Because Jesus said, well, do this commandment, do this commandment, do this commandment. And, and the rich young man says, I've done all these commandments. And then Jesus, man, he puts something out there that's really tough. He said, okay, so if you think you're that good and all that in a bag of chips, then guess what? I want you to go sell all that you have, give it to the poor, and come follow me. And the scripture says that when Jesus said that to the young man, the young man heard this and he went away sad because he had many possessions. Now, Jesus is not telling all of us to go sell all that we have and give it to him and then come. He's not saying that, but he's saying it to the rich young ruler because he thought he was perfect. He thought that he could earn or buy his way into heaven. And I'm here to declare to you today, you can't buy your way into heaven. You can't earn your way into heaven. And today's parable really reflects that truth in this parable. It's a powerful parable. The conversation that Jesus is having with this rich young ruler is really about the grace of God. It's understanding that it's impossible to earn your salvation. Salvation only comes through God's grace, through our faith in Jesus Christ. Um, but in this encounter with the rich young man, Peter all of a sudden starts to think about what Jesus asked to give up all that you have and give it to the poor. And, and Peter starts to think. He says, he asks Jesus this question. He goes, we've given up everything. He's talking about him and his disciples or his friends, Jesus' disciples. He says, we've given up everything to follow you. What will we get 
interesting question. Yeah. Jesus, what will I get? I've given up everything, man. I've sacrificed home. I have a wife at home. I've left all this behind, Lord, just to follow you. What do I get? And Jesus assures Peter and the disciples, you know, whatever you've given up a hundred times fold is going to come back to you in the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus assures all of this. But then he, this introduces this parable of the vineyard, the vineyard workers. Because Jesus is sharing with Peter that the kingdom of heaven operates differently from the earthly kingdom. And he wants to explain that to Peter and to those who are listening. So let me share this story, Matthew chapter 20. I'm going to read the entire parable, starting at verse 1. It says, For the kingdom of heaven is like the landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay the normal daily wage and sent them out to work. At 9 o'clock in the morning, he was passing through the marketplace and saw some people standing around doing nothing. So he hired them, telling them he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. So they went to work in the vineyard. At noon and again at 3 o'clock, he did the same thing. At 5 o'clock that afternoon, he was in town and, and saw some more people standing around. He asked them, why haven't you been working today? They replied, because no one has hired us. The landowner told them, then go out and join the others in my vineyard. That evening, he told the foreman to call the workers in and pay them, beginning with the last worker first. When those hired at 5 o'clock were paid, each received a full day's wage. When those hired first came to get their pay, they assumed that they would receive more, but they too were paid a day's wage. When they received their pay, they protested to the owner, those people worked only one hour, and yet you paid them just as much as you paid us who worked all day in the, in the scorching heat? He answered one of them, friend, I haven't been unfair. Didn't, I, didn't you agree to work all day for the usual wage? Take your money and go. I wanted to pay this last worker the same as you. It isn't, is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money? Should you be jealous because I am kind to others? So those who are last now will be first then, and those who are first will be last. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word today. And God, I just pray that your word once again become revelation to our lives. That, Lord, the power of your word. There's a promise, Lord God, that your word will not return void. I pray, God, that that promise today that your word will have impact on our lives. I ask it in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. What we see Jesus illustrating in this parable is what I believe is God's grace. I see, I see all the way through this parable the grace of God. We see how God's grace is there, but we also see, and I want you to pick this up, this truth in this parable, God, the grace of God can be both wonderful, but man, it can also be very challenging. This story that Jesus shared would have been a very relatable story to those who were listening in that day. Vineyard workers were common laborers in the New Testament. Many of the vineyard workers were really day laborers. And they would go out and they would go early in the morning and they would, they would come into the marketplace and they would wait there to be chosen to be able to go out to work. And it wasn't like they had a regular job or a regular employment that they could depend on each and every day that they would have you know, a paycheck coming in. They would have to go out there and then wait. 
and they'd wait to be chosen. They would be, wait to be picked. They were waiting for the vineyards to a vineyard uh, landowner would come over and, and pick them. And it it, it was um, it was a common thing in that day to be a day laborer. Working in in the vineyard in Palestine was also not very easy work, because many times when they when they, all of a sudden they started harvesting, it was laborious work. But it was also many times in the most the, the hottest time of the year, in the heat of the day, it was difficult. Uh, it was a difficult job. As you can see in Jesus' parable, the landowner went and hired some day laborers to work in his field. And remember this, I want you to remember this. He promised them a fair day's wage. After he hired the first workers, early in the morning, I'm just kind of re- re- revamping this uh, parable, reiterating it to you. He went back into town and then throughout the day, the landowner went back to the marketplace, back and forth, back and forth. And he would find more laborers and say, hey, come on out. I'm going to hire you. You can go out into the vineyard with me as well to harvest grapes. He hired his last workers around 5 p.m. Jesus states, after hiring the first group, the landowner promised everyone else that he would pay whatever was right. So he promised the first group that arrived probably at 6 a.m., I'm going to pay you a fair day's wage. And then everybody else that that came later, he said, I'm going to pay you what is right. It's at this point that Jesus' parable becomes challenging to the listeners as Jesus is sharing this. Because by 5 p.m., there might have been only one or two hours of work left. Okay? You're following what I'm saying? The work of the vineyards would probably have almost been completed. In fact, most of the laborers in town, they had to be desperate if they were still waiting there at 5 p.m. to get picked up because, you know what, everybody else probably had given up and they probably had gone on home. And so there was a few left and he picked them up at 5 p.m. to bring them into the vineyard to pick grapes. And the thing I picked up in the story, I want you to grab a hold of this as well. This was not just the normal vineyard owner. It wasn't just about harvesting grapes. It was about changing lives. He was, about, he, was, he was all about helping those who are less fortunate. So the parable contains these two groups of workers. I know there's more than, than two groups. I know there's some that came at six, nine, whatever the rest of the times were. I know that. But I'm going to put them into two groups. I'm going to put one group as the ones that came at the very beginning, 6 a.m. And then everybody else came after the first group, okay? And we're going to put those all in a second group. I'm going somewhere, just follow along with me for a minute. So the parable contains two groups of workers. Those who hired early went to work for the agreed amount of pay, and those who were hired later, who the owner said that he would pay a fair wage. Look what happens when the owner starts to pay the workers. Instead of starting to pay the workers who arrived first, which would, I would think would be the way you would do it, he started to pay the workers who arrived at 5 p.m. first. He, start, he started paying. Now think about this. You've been working 12 hours. You've been out there laboring. You've been picking the grapes. It's the heat of the day. You probably have gone from like 6 a.m. in the morning and now it's 6 o'clock at night. And then all of a sudden when, you get, or when you're coming out of the field and all you can think about is going home and eat. You want to go take a nice bath. You want to get cleaned up. All of a sudden there's this huge lineup. And the ones that just, see, these guys were working out in the fields. They knew what was taking place. They see that these guys are coming in later and later and like, oh, he's still bringing in more workers. All of a sudden, they see, see a group that comes in at 5 o'clock? And this group that shows up at 5 p.m., guess what? 
they're in the front of the line to be paid. I'd be ticked. I'm tired. Are you kidding me? How did they take cuts? You know, it's it's that fast pass at Disneyland. It drives me crazy. Wait a minute here. I've been waiting. How in the world did that person get in front of me? What became even more challenging is this. They're in the back of the line. And then all of a sudden, they're hearing that the people at 5 o'clock that arrived at 5 p.m. in the day are getting paid a full day's wage. Now, if you're in the back of the line, you would be like me. Man, if the landowner is paying them a full day's wage, right? We just start to assume, man, what is he going to be willing to pay me? Where I've been here since 6 a.m. What happens is all of a sudden when they show up to get their pay, the ones that showed up at 6 a.m., they get paid a full day's wage. How many of you know that didn't sit really well with those that arrived at 6 a.m.? They were not very happy about this whole situation. And man, I was thinking about this. And I think all of you guys would do the same. Maybe not, but I would. Man, if I was a landowner and I knew that I thought, man, you know what? I want to bless everybody. I, want, I just want to give everybody a full day's wage. I would start with the first people at 6 a.m., pay them and say, hey, yeah, have a great day. Get out of here. You know what I'm saying? Go ahead and get out of here. And then I'd pay the next one. Because I wouldn't want everybody to find out. But this landowner, he didn't care. He actually wanted them to discover that he was paying everybody equally a day's wage. He was wanting to challenge their thinking. And I think Jesus is wanting to challenge our thinking today. I think Jesus is wanting to challenge our thinking of how grace works. Because so many times we try to put God's grace in a box. And we can't do that because it's not our grace. It's God's grace. Those who worked one to two hours ended up receiving the same amount as those who worked 12 or more hours. The problem for the early workers was that of equality. Why are the other workers getting paid the same wage? They all of a sudden took on a judgmental attitude. And we must remember our view of equality is different from God's view of equality. What the landowner paid each worker should have been no concern to the group. They should have not been concerned what the landowner was paying as long as the landowner was paying what was promised, and he did. Remember, he paid them a fair day's wage. It was the landowner's money, and he had the right to be generous in whatever way he chooses. Jesus ends the parable with more controversial words by saying this. So the last will be first, and the the first will be last. You got it. This parable was illustrating what God was doing. And what I'm saying about that is sometimes we don't understand what was happening during Jesus' day, and we have to study God's word to understand that there was the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Zealots, and there was all these different religious groups of Jesus' day. And he was announcing to them, hey, guess what? My grace works a little different than what you think. Because, see, if you read the story, 
the people that arrived at 6 a.m. to work, they really have a lot of comparison to the Pharisees that have been you know, obeying God's Ten Commandments. They've been trying to obey God's word to the letter of the law. In fact, they created a few more laws just to make sure that they were obeying the laws. I mean, they were, they were, that, they were that passionate about obeying the law. And when Jesus comes and all of a sudden, he starts all of a sudden to saddle up to these sinners, starts to love to these sinners, starts to heal those that are sick. He starts all of a sudden teaching, not in the, not, not in the church setting, but he's teaching out in, the, out in the, the streets. He's not in the synagogues. He's out in the streets. And, and this is bothering the Pharisees. Why are they first? Why are you into the, the synagogue? Why are you showing them favor? You following the story with me? You see, grace has an edge to it. It can be challenging because we live in a world based on entitlements. But grace is not an entitlement. Grace is a gift. So today I want to discuss this parable and how we can apply this parable to our life. Because that's what we're all about here today. If we're coming to church just to check it off our list, not a good reason to come to church. We're coming to church to allow God's word to change our lives. The first thought I want to share with you today is this. Grace is God's unmerited favor. This parable reminds us that the challenge is not God's grace. The challenge is our judgmental spirit or our entitled spirit. The early workers believed that they were entitled to more. And this made them judgmental against the other different groups that arrived later. Listen to verse 15 again. Should, and this is the landowner. And he says to the, the group that was early, he says, should you be jealous because I am kind to others? Have you ever fallen into that? Where all of a sudden you're why does Why does they get special treatment? Why not? Here I am. Hey, how, I'm six foot three. How do you miss me? What? Come on. One of the most harmful things that we can do in life, catch this. One of the most harmful things that we can do in life is to view God's grace as something that we deserve. This viewpoint is the opposite of God's grace. Because grace is God's unmerited or undeserved favor upon our life. At any point where we think that we are entitled to God's favor is the point that we have strayed away from God's grace. I'm going to say it one more time. God's calling you right now. At any point where we think that we are entitled to God's favor is the point that we have strayed away from God's grace. The mistake the early workers made in the vineyard was to expect that they were entitled to a greater wage. They were expecting if they got paid this, why wouldn't I even receive more? In God's kingdom, there is no entitlements. In God's kingdom, there's only grace. Only his wonderful grace. And guess what? He gives out his grace in his own pleasure. It goes against the capitalistic mentality that we have as Americans. I don't know that if you read your Bible enough, if you read it, the Gospels enough, you're going to realize it's not really very capitalistic. We believe the harder we work, the greater wage that we deserve. And I'm not saying that capitalism is wrong at all. I, I love a capitalist country. I really do. But applying a capitalistic attitude towards our spiritual lives will cause us to stray away from God's grace. We cannot apply that into our spiritual life. And let me just go down the road here for a second. I don't know why I'm feeling this, but I feel like this. I very seldom. 
Capitalism is not bad when you have generous people. It's when you don't have generous people that capitalism is not a great thing to be in. Okay, let me go from there because you're saying too many amens. Let me go on to the next one. There is no wage in the kingdom of heaven. There is only God's grace. And we should rejoice in this truth. Otherwise, if we're seeking a wage, if we're truly wanting a wage, then we have to go to Romans 3.23. For the wages of sin is death. We really want a wage. If we really want to get what we deserve, if we, man, geez, God, I have... I was born, Lord, in a pastor's home, Lord. I woke up every, I have not missed a Sunday all my life. And, and I've been here, I picked up donuts this morning. And I'm doing this and I'm doing that. If anybody just, you see where we go? Every single one of us are in the same boat today. We are all undeserving of God's grace and yet he still gives it to us. The rest of that, Romans 3.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's a choice there. Do you want wages or do you want the gift of grace? I don't know about you. I'm stepping into the gift of grace for my life. The second way that we can apply this parable to our life is understanding that grace is unrestricted. God's grace is offered to all. There is no restriction. The only ones that try to put restriction is man. We try to put restrictions on God's grace. The only condition is your acceptance in faith to Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that requires of us is that we have to put our faith in Jesus Christ and to believe in him. But the offer is to all people. And if you've ever struggled with the feelings of inferiority or, or of, of unworthiness or insecurities and somehow that you don't deserve the grace of God, guess what? Like I said before, we're all in the same boat. We, none of us deserve it. Yet God's grace is for all people. Amen. Just like the day workers who were picked up at the very last, they received the same blessings as those that arrived in the very early part of the day. Think about the thoughts of those that were waiting around to be picked for the day. I've seen different movies. I haven't had to experience this in my life, but maybe some of you maybe have experienced some of this. But I've seen movies like during the Depression. Where people, where guys were, guys and women were gathered around, they were pressed against the fence and they were trying to be picked for the day's work because they needed money, they needed finances. And all of a sudden, you know, whoever was a business owner, they'd walk out and they're pressed against the, the fence of the business. Okay, uh, you, you, uh, you, you, uh, you, that's all I can do this today. They picked five and there might be 100 or 150 out there waiting for a, a day's wage. They were waiting to be chosen. Can you imagine what it felt like that you were there at the crack of dawn before the light was even up and you're waiting there to be picked and you're not picked? You wait for another two hours, you're still not picked. You wait till noon, you're getting hungry, you're still not picked. You're about ready to give up pope, it's 3 o'clock, you're still not picked. And then at 5 o'clock, a landowner walks in and says, hey, what are you guys doing here? Come on, let's go. Think about it. Think about the thoughts of those that were running through the minds of those workers that had been waiting all day in the marketplace. It must have produced feelings of unworthiness and feelings of incompetencies and feelings of, of being less than. Why was I left? Why was I not chosen? But it's at this point that the owner of the vineyard shows up and he asks a question. And today I proclaim to you this. 
And I want you to grab a hold. If you're going to grab a hold of anything today, I want you to grab a hold of this. You are chosen. You are chosen. Because God desires, Scripture states that God desires that all to be saved. He wants everyone to be saved. Take down the restriction sign in your life. Stop thinking that your unworthiness restricts you from God's grace. The only thing that will ever restrict you from God's grace is your lack of faith in his righteousness, your lack of faith in Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that will restrict you. Your unworthiness will never restrict you from God's faith. It won't. I'm just telling you that. Have you ever gone to, um, I was just talking to someone outside and we are talking that travel is going to open up again. It's kind of fun. I don't know if you've ever been to like a resort or a tropical resort and you go there and they give you the wristband. I have a wristband on today. and You know what I'm saying? And uh, the first time I ever went to resort, I didn't realize that wristbands meant different things. I got, I got to the resort and all of a sudden, oh, you don't have the right colored wristband on. I said, Huh? Yeah, well, this is only for the orange-colored wristband. You have a blue-colored wristband. I'm sorry, you can't go into this restaurant. I'm saying, what are you talking about? Well, see, how it works is that you're more privileged, and your privilege comes by more what you want to pay. You know what I mean? And then that opens the door to more things. And, and sometimes we treat Christianity, we treat following Christ in a very similar fashion where all of a sudden we think that we can buy our way into heaven. And what happens in our life is for some of you today, because of failures, because of wrongs, because of poor choices, all of a sudden you don't feel like you're deserving. You feel like you have the blue wristband on. You feel like, oh, no, no, you can't get in because the orange one is not for you. I am here to declare to you today there is only one wristband in heaven. All are welcome. All you have to do if you want to receive a wristband, guess what? You just need to put your faith in Jesus Christ and start following after him. And for some of you, I want to tell you right now, and I want to remind you right now, you are chosen, so stop making excuses and start following Jesus. You can make excuse after excuse. Well, you know what? God is going to take you how you are. And you just step in faith and allow, and that for some of you, that just goes like, wait a minute, Pastor Tom, I've been in church. What are you talking about? God's, God's going to take you as you are. I love, it's the reason I love the story of the woman at the well. She was so messed up and no one cared. Jesus went out of his way and went through Samaria and he touched that woman's life because he cares. And I'm telling you today, if you're watching online, you don't understand the love of God. The love of God is all over you. He cares for you. He loves you. All you have to do is take a step of faith to believe that you are chosen by God. Third thing, and this is kind of opposite of what I just shared, but you'll understand what I'm saying. God's grace realigns us. The challenge sometimes with grace is that we kind of want to be superior. So many of us kind of have that in our, you know, just for, especially for guys. You guys, you know, we get out in the golf course. Oh, my goodness, you know, everybody, yeah, and, and you're just challenged. You're, just, you're always wanting to beat the other person. And, and maybe you ladies have the same thing. Maybe I don't know what, what it is, but we have this thing. And, and it, we need to allow grace to realign our lives. You see, for some, the thought of being unworthy is difficult to understand. 
how could God not love me? Well, he does love you, but he doesn't love your sin. And that we struggle with that. See, the rich young ruler struggled with that when he came to Christ. He came, how do I? And he thought he was perfect. He thought he did everything right. And Jesus had to go, wait, 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 here, here you go. Because, see, there is no way that you deserve the grace of God. It is only through the gift of Christ. What happened to the workers that felt that they deserved more? They'd worked all day. Wait a minute. Why are you letting these guys in? Why are you letting them have more? And they started to grumble and complain. What caused, the, what caused them to grumble and what caused them to complain? They felt worthy of more. Because they were comparing, catch this, they were comparing themselves to those who served later in the day. When you start comparing yourself to others, it will lead you to the three C's. Someone asked me, what are the three C's? Oh, thank you. Here are the three C's. They are coveting, they are complaining, and they are criticizing. How many times when all of a sudden we start comparing our lives to someone else, that we start complaining, we start coveting, we start criticizing others? It's kind of like when I, how many here are in school, either college or high school or doing, yeah, you're still taking tests. I remember back in those days and taking school, and, and I probably should go back and learn something more. And, um, and I remember, um, you know, normally you take a class and you get a grade, A, B, C, D, you know, or F. How many, no, I'm not going to ask that question. Anyhow, you get, you get a grade. And, but then there, every once in a while there would be a class that you didn't get a grade, you just got to pass or fail. It would just be, you know, and I used to hear students that would grumble. They didn't like that past because they were so competitive. They wanted to know. See, they didn't like the idea of the pass and fail because you could pass at 60% or you could pass at 100% and you didn't know who had, you just passed. I loved it. Probably gives you a little secret of how my grades were, but I loved it. It was awesome. Man, I love this system. But it reminds me that sometimes we can become so competitive in life that we forget to extend God's grace. Listen to what Paul writes in Romans. He says, For by grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each one of you. The grace of God should realign us to what's really important. His grace should challenge us towards grace isn't it ironic that so many times in life we want grace for ourselves but when it comes that time where we need to extend grace we don't want to give it and see when we receive the grace of God it should realign us to the place to understand I need to extend that same kind of grace that God has extended to me finally the last thing I want to share with you today is this. Grace gives us a new beginning. There's something powerful, and I want for, especially those who have been following Christ for a lot of years, and that, that would include me. But there's something that's powerful when I start talking to someone who knows their salvation experience. And what I mean by that, they'll start off a conversation this way. Well, before I knew Christ, and then they start sharing what would happen before I knew. But now that I know Jesus, and all of a sudden you start hearing a whole different story. 
It's because they've had a grace experience with Christ and they've been reborn. When Nicodemus the Pharisee, there was something happening in his life. Because if you read in the Gospel of John, you can discover that all of a sudden, Nicodemus somehow makes an appointment with Jesus. It was the, in the late of the night, around midnight, that he would come and see Jesus because he, he didn't want anybody else to see that because he was a Pharisee. But something was happening in his heart. And he comes to Jesus and says, hey, hey Jesus, what's going Tell me, I need to know more. And Jesus starts to unpack it for him. He says, Nicodemus, unless you are born again, you cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. And Nicodemus goes, what do you mean born again? What, what is that? What? He had no idea, no understanding, no knowledge of what, what Jesus was trying to say. And Jesus was trying to say, you know what? It's time to reset. It's time to start over. It's time to put your faith in me. And at that point in your life, guess what? You can say goodbye to the old and you can step into the new. You see, God's grace is so powerful that it overcomes anything in your life. If you're watching us online today, you think, man, there's no... Guess what? God's grace has the ability to change your life. And there's times for us today, for some of us who have been following Christ for all of our life, and I'm not criticizing, please don't take it out because I'm talking to myself as much as anybody else. There's times we need to do some old-fashioned thinking. We need to just get down to our knees. We need to start praying. We need to thank God for His goodness. We need to repent. Lord God, forgive me of the things that I've wrong, done wrong. We need to go back into the Lord's Prayer. For our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth we start to share God I need more of you in my life and all of a sudden there's a grace gift that comes down from heaven and it will anoint you and will set you apart from this life that you're trying to navigate through and he says stop navigating in this life and I need you to step over here because I have so much I'm calling you to do I want you to navigate guess what in my spirit in my presence that's what born again means all that's what it means it's being born again by the Spirit of God. It's understanding now when you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, guess what? It's the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God that seals your salvation. Jesus is going to recognize you on that day when he returns or on that day when we meet Jesus in heaven. He's going to recognize you by his Spirit. Did you catch that? He's not going to recognize you by your good works. He's not going to recognize you because how good looking you are. He's not going to recognize you because you have the latest fashion designs or the car you drive. He's going to recognize you by his spirit. That's the grace of God. That's the beauty of his grace is that it begins a new beginning for us. Here's a little, I got a whole other message in me, but I'm just holding myself back because I know we got to end. This is why our faith must remain in the righteousness of Christ and not in our own righteousness. I did a little formula and I forgot to put it on the screen, but it's a simple formula that you can write down. I love formulas. I love you. Latasha, I love you. Write down this formula. My righteousness equals failure. 
or death is what the scripture says. My righteousness equals failure. Christ's righteousness equals grace. It's a great formula to live by. God's grace gives you an opportunity to begin again. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that your word is powerful. It is life-changing. And I pray over every person here today, those watching us online, those meeting with us here in the worship center, whoever it might be, if they have not made a choice to follow you, if they have felt unworthy, if they felt like they don't deserve, God, I pray today that your word will just touch your spirit in a new and a fresh way. Or maybe, Lord, they're the opposite and they've just felt like they've always deserved, but they've never understood the grace that we have to accept, that we're all in the same boat. We all need your righteousness. Today, if that's you, I want to just share with you how you say a prayer to accept Christ, to choose to follow. It's so simple. We're not, I'm not going to ask everybody to say it today. I'm just going to share with you. If you want to say this in private, if you want to say it right now, that's fine. But it's so simple. Just say, Lord, forgive me my sins. Lord, I choose to follow you today. Give me the power of your Holy Spirit. Help me do what is right. I choose you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Can everybody say amen? Man, Jesus can change your life. I don't know how else I can say it, but that. He can set you on a different path. If you don't like the path you're on right now, get off of it. Start following Jesus and watch what will happen in your life. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.